Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're probably going to pop over to Acts chapter 6. So maybe flip over there as well. So Ephesians chapter 4, we were there last week as we started this series called The Healthy Church, and Acts chapter uh, 6, we will go there maybe a little bit in the message. So um, in this message, we're talking about healthy church, what it looks like to be a part of a healthy church, wherever God calls you. And sometimes when people are here, um, I don't just assume that if you're visiting that this is where you're going to end up. Uh, You need to be at a place where you identify with, that you're going to be able to get behind the vision of that church. You're going to uh, need to feel like, um, you know, that, that God is leading you to that place. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings in the house today, but that's going to happen, okay? All right? I'm just letting you know it's going to happen at some point. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Somebody's going to be offended. And the thing about that is it's okay because the word is sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, you know, when I'm up here, I, I, I usually, I'm not up here with a, uh, with a marshmallow, you know, waving it around. I'm up here waving a sword around. And uh, there are times when the sword is meant to cut parts of our life away. And most of the time, uh, when, and again, disclaimer, you know, this is not what, what the average pastor, but I don't consider myself an average pastor. Uh, this is, this is, this is uh, what an average pastor would, would be trying to get the newcomers to, to connect with them. My, my thing is, if you're visiting with us today, uh, you know, I, I want you to be where God wants you to be. And if you don't identify with the teaching and, and, and whatever of our house, then, you know, man, the United States, Daphne, no exception, is full of churches, a lot of good churches. There's a lot of bad churches as well, but there's a lot of good churches. When I say bad churches, I'm talking about unhealthy places for you. Usually, people come in and they're there one Sunday, uh, and and they kind of see what you know what it's like, and uh, and then they don't come back. I'll give you I give you kind of an example. Um, um, and I've asked the person if I could share this uh, with you. Um, so I had a, uh, somebody that serves on one of our ministry teams. They came to me, and well, we were just in a general conversation, and they said, uh, you know, Pastor Rife, I've got some neighbors down the street from me. And she said, when I told them where I went to church, she said that they told her, wow, they were so unfriendly. That blows my mind about our church now. Um, and here, here's the deal. Whenever somebody tells you something, even, even me, like hopefully you've gotten a relationship with me, but some of you don't. You don't know me. This is the first time you've ever seen me, heard me, or whatever. But 
Don't ever take anything somebody says at face value. Don't, if it's your wife, nope. If it's your husband, nope. If it's your children, definitely nope. You got to... You, you, you always, and I tell people close to me this all the time, my close relatives, I tell them this all the time. Okay, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to hear whatever they have to say too. Because sometimes we get in our emotions, you know, we get in our feelings, and so it taints our perception. And so, you know, going back to people, uh, you know, coming, a lot of times, People get in their feelings, and you know this. These people, I don't know who they were, but they're neighbors of of one of our church family members, and they're like, "I came to the church, and not one person spoke to me." And I'm just like, "Are you sure it's they? Ha- the one by the school with the big pointy tower out front? That this church?" That is hard for me to believe. And they said, well, the pastor wasn't there that day. It was a guest, so it's your fault? Or it's your fault? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, they said, well, the pastor wasn't there that day. Uh, and I said, but that don't even make sense either. That does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Usually in the American culture, we are consumers of church. We are not necessarily coming to be contributors. So when we're looking for a church, we're shopping for a church. That's really what we're doing. That's what we're, we're shopping for a place to meet my needs. Instead of what do I bring and is this where God wants me to use it? Not that I'm going to come in and I'm going to occupy a seat in a theater you know, last week when we were talking about the modern church structure in, uh, in, in today's society, uh, and it hadn't just, this hadn't developed in the last uh, 10 years. When I say the modern church structure, I'm talking about really since the Reformation happened. Uh, it began to be this pyramid shape, and pastors are the people at the top, and the people are at the bottom, and the pastors are the people that do all the work, and the people are the ones that come sit in the pews, and, and, and they basically consume. All right, but then, then you know, we looked at Ephesians chapter four, how God gave us the um, the model of these are the ministry gifts: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We still kept that pyramid model, but we just replaced it with the gifts that Christ gave the church, and that's still wrong. That's still wrong. It's, it's really this, a lot of that comes out of, and I don't mean to offend anybody, I told y'all, I disclaimed at the very beginning, a lot of that comes out of the Roman Catholic Church. Like, a lot of the pageantry, a lot of the, uh, the priesthood uh, is, is far separated, is far separated from the church. The apostles are far separated. The prophets are far separated from the church. But when you look at how the early apostles did ministry, and when you look at how Jesus did ministry, that is not how it was done at all. Like, they were servants, like they were servants. As a matter of fact, the, you, you remember I talked about their, their, those 
three different uh, uh, kinds of apostles. You've got the foundational. Those are the original 12 disciples. They're the original. They're the OG apostles. They're, they're the foundational ones that there will never be ones like them. They had a specific purpose and calling. But when, as, as they left and created more disciples under them, then, then these new apostles, these were functional apostles, all right? And so uh, uh, these apostles are the ones that carried on. Those are the apostles like me and some of you. Those, those are the apostles of today's world that we move throughout. But Jesus is the very first. The 12 are the foundational. And you and I and, and others in, in the body of Christ. Not everybody's an apostle. Scripture says that. Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's a pastor, teacher, evangelist. But those of us who are doing the work of the ministry as we go throughout the world and we're doing the work of the church. Listen, if Jesus, the scripture says, Jesus was the very first apostle, apostolos, the sent one. He was the very first one. And this is what he said. He said, hey, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to be a servant. Like, you ain't got to wash my feet. Let me wash your feet. You ain't got to come feed me. Let me feed you. Like, apostles are servants. Listen, I'm just telling you. If you ever get around a leader and they can't get their hands dirty, if they can't get involved and do some work, like if, if you, man, that's, beware. And I'm not saying, you know, they got to be a painter and clean toilets and all of that, even though we all do that. What I'm saying is the, the, the heart of a servant. I mean, you got to have a leader who has a servant's heart. There's no place I won't go. Like, think, think about this. We are to be a reflection of his glory. God's, uh, what's that song uh, that we sing? There's no mountain he won't climb up. Something he won't tear down coming after me. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't remember the, 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 the words. But it's like, there's no place that he will not go for me. There's, 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 no, there's no valley. There's no ditch. There's no cesspool. There's no place that he will not go. All right? But, you know, we, we, but, but in the church today, we've got these apostles and prophets and evangelists, all, all these people up on these pedestals. And it's like, that's not what those are. You know what those are? Listen, I'm going to tell you, they should not be titles. They should be tools. I will say it again. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers should not be titles. Those should be tools. Those are just tools for us to pull out of our toolbox when we need those. And they are, we're not to walk in some, you know, yes, it's a high calling, but it's a high calling unto suffering. It's a high calling unto submission. It's a high calling unto servanthood. That's what those, that's what those things are. And uh, so let me move on into the message. Have you ever heard the 80-20 principle? All right, so 80% 80, 80 of the work is done by 20% of the people. This was the Pareto principle. It was recognized by this guy over in Italy. He was a, a, a person of notoriety. He started noticing this principle that 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the people. 
80% of the businesses were owned by 20% of the people. 80% uh, of the country was governed by 20% of the people. 80% of the money came from 20% of the people. So he started looking at that phenomenon and, and they, it's coined the Pareto principle. We know it more commonly by the 80-20 principle. This is just a phenomenon. It's just an occurrence. It's a generalization. It's not always that way. Like for instance, in our church, all right, so uh, 20% of the, of the 100% normally do the work. And in our church, I'm telling you, that doesn't apply. Thank God it doesn't apply. But in our church, that doesn't apply in every sense of the word. Now, I told you I hurt some of y'all's feelings. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, what's he thinks? That doesn't necessarily apply to us voluntarily-wise, like we have a, 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 a very high number of volunteers who serve in our church. So that doesn't apply to that. But it does apply to giving. It does apply to giving. 20% of the people in our church are the ones who fund 80% of the ministry. But guess what? 100% of the people enjoy a portion of the ministry. Are you following me? Like, so it does apply in different ways. Um, This is not God's plan for the church. That's not God's plan. God does not want to operate by the Pareto principle. He doesn't want us to operate by the 80-20 rule. He wants us to operate by the 100% principle. He's the God of 100%. He's the God that says every person has a place. Every person has a right to come and sit at the table, but every person also has to work. Every person should be giving something. I heard the story of a, uh, man, I, I have to be careful with this because uh, it's, it's not a bad story, but it's like I heard the testimony of somebody the other day that they said, we're going to take up an offering. And this one particular person said, well, I, I really can't participate at the level I want to, but here, I'm going to invest something. I love that, man, because we don't have to do everything. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? We don't have to do everything, but we should all do something. And I love the heart of that because that's the, hey, this is good soil and I can't, I can't uh, put what I want to in, but I'm going to put something in because that person believes in the reciprocity of God's faithfulness, meaning that when I give, I will receive something uh, in, in return. And so this principle of, of, of 100%, I want you to think about that, this principle of 100%. Like when we come into the place and we say, today we've come to worship, we don't need just 20% of the crowd worshiping. But many times that's what, you, you, what you've got. Well, I'm worshiping inside. Well, that's great, but that's not how the Bible says to worship. I'm worshiping. I had, a, I had a lady to tell me one time, this not at this church, this is another church, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord. I just don't worship like you do. And I'm like, well, I don't want you to worship like me. I want you to worship like the Bible says to worship. Like worship like this. Like you don't, you know, I do, I do stuff with my hands. I can't be still in worship. I just can't. You know, I tried it and I don't like it. You know, 
to worship you, I live to worship you. Man, my body is screaming. My body is screaming to do stuff with it. Like, you know, to worship you, I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. I just want to do something with my hands. And it's like, you ain't got to worship like me. Worship how the scripture says, but a hundred percent of the people should be worshiping. And I get it. Some people say, well, you should be glad that not everybody is worshiping uh, the, you know, to the fullest of the extent because it means new people are coming in. And I totally get that. New people that come in, meaning to the faith, they don't fully know how to worship. Like, you know, that's why this, this gathering cannot be completely evangelistic. You understand? We, this, this is not an evangelistic gathering. If you get saved in here, praise God. But this is, not a, this is not a fully evangelistic gathering. This is a worship gathering. This is an edification gathering. This is a fill you up so we can send you out gathering. And so what happens is when we come into the house of God, we should come and we should go, I'm all in today. I'm all in. You taking an offering up, I'm all in. I'm in that. I'm participating in that. Well, I didn't bring any money to church. Well, put an IOU in and, and, and give it later. You know, I mean, my God, it's so easy to give in church today. I mean, you can give, there's a box on, the, in, on any wall, you know, when you come in and go out. When you, uh, that you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer. You, I mean, you can give all kinds of ways. Worship, 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 man. Listen, you, I, I hadn't got to like the songs the song could be even theologically, listen to me, religious folks. The, thought, the song could even be theologically incorrect. I ain't getting ticked off and mad and leaving and writing the pastor a nasty old letter or, or, or whatever. I just go, yeah, they probably need to work on that song. Yeah, you can mention it. Uh, we, we try to be very careful with that, that we don't get into that. Uh, l- l- for, let me just real quick uh, can I just satisfy my wife in, uh, uh, you know, one of her things for a minute? Like last week I was reading the scripture and uh, I don't know where my brain was during this point, but I was reading, turn it to Ephesians chapter four. And as I was reading there, I don't know, I truly don't know what I was thinking. I, you ever have those times where it's like your brain just leaves you? I don't know what, but I said, I therefore a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to, and I'm like, and I said something to the effect of, I don't even know why Paul used that, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Why is he writing that? And, you know, and I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just moved on. And she comes up to me after church and she's like, what do, you, what do you mean? You don't know why he's a prisoner. Like, you know, Paul, he wrote most of these while he was a prisoner. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, duh. I'm sorry, I had a, you know, moment there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. But anyway, hey, human alert, I'm not preaching heresy. You know what I'm saying? But people will get bent out of shape over things. But I'm telling you what, I don't have, I don't have, everything doesn't have to be perfect. I got to have the big boxes checked, but you don't have to worry about me, man. When it comes to the word, a hundred percent, I'm in. You ain't got to, I'm not going to have to pay attention uh, uh, or, or, you know, 
uh, focus to pay attention or whatever. I, what I'm basically trying to say is I ain't going to be falling asleep in the service. I'm just not. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm human, and there are times where I'm like, oh, Holy Ghost, come. Do something because my eyes are getting heavy. But here's how you combat that, you know? You, you make a covenant with yourself that I am going to pay attention. You ain't going to be talking mess to me in service. If you're going to talk, you got to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, because I'm paying attention. Get off your phone if you're on my row. You know, you, if, if, you, if you're on your phone, you need to be on your phone in your Bible app, not on uh, Facetagram. You know, like, dude, like, when it comes to this, we got to be focused. We've got to be in tune with what is happening. Like, this is the time of edification, of building up, of transformation. This is not the time to be uh, looking at your fantasy football and, you know, making plans with your friends after church. That should have been done before the uh, time, you know? So it's 100%. That's his principle in every aspect. All right? So let's look at this. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to go through these 16 verses again. I know we went through them last week, but we're going to go through them again because there's so much in this that I want us to get. All right, so verse 1 says, Therefore I, prisoner, he's writing that because he was a prisoner, guys. (laughs) For serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault, like when they don't know that Paul was a prisoner. Because of your love, make every effort to keep your, you, yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called. He's, used, he's, in, he's down to four verses, and he's used call or calling three times. He goes into it and he says, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one father of all who is over all and who is living through all. All right. Now I'm going to skip this little part down here and I'm going to come to verse 11 because he he does this little kind of side note here, talks about Jesus ascending and descending. We're going to skip over that and we're going to go to verse 11. And he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility. So he's telling you why he gave these gifts to the church. Their responsibility, see how, if you can find how many responsibilities they have listed here. There are more, but there are two listed. Oh, well, I just told you. There are two listed here. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, and build up the church. So what's their responsibility? To equip the people for what? For his works. And to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such uniformity in our faith or unity in our faith um, and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then... We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind and new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more like Christ, who's the head of his body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each, as each part, what, what are the parts? Y'all are the parts. I'm the part. We're the parts. As each part does its own special work. So each part is doing its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me, let me say this right here. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The whole body fits together perfectly. Why does it fit together perfectly or how? Because as each part does its own special work, as each person does its own special work, it helps others grow so that the whole body is healthy. All right? So as you do your part, you actually are helping someone else grow. All right, look at this, look at this. This is the main focus of what I want to leave with you today. We've been called on purpose for purpose. We've been called on purpose for purpose. Look at Romans 8 and 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All right? We've been called on purpose for purpose. How do I know we've been called? Because verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4 that I just read you said, live a life worthy of the calling to which you were called to. You and I were called. So he says, everything works together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I'm going to come back to that verse here in just a second, but I want you to look at this. Klesis is the Greek word that's translated as calling, and this is what it means. It means an invitation into one's presence. So I can call you. I remember when I was a kid, and I, was, I would be out on the, uh, the playground or the, you know, whatever. We live right across the school. Uh, across the street from the school. And we'd be over at the school playing or I'd be, you know, five houses down at, and Betty Jean would come out. And she'd be, you know, 5.45, you know, 5.30 and she'd holler, Ralph! <laughs> One time I had the nerve to correct my mom on how to pronounce my name. <laughs> my mom, she, she calls me Ralph. And I had the nerve to say, mom, my name is pronounced Rife. And she said, boy, I named you. And I know how to pronounce your name. And your name is Rife. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. She had come out of that house and she would call me. She would say, Rife, it's time for supper. And that would, I would get that call every day. And what, what was she calling me? She was coming to call me to come in and dine at the table. She was calling me to come feast at the table. You and I have a calling that every single person is at least called. But not, not just that. We, we have an invitation to come into his presence. He is calling us to come to sit down at the table. 
He's calling us to come and feast with him. Come and sit down. And when you sit at somebody's table, there is a recognition of your presence. There's a recognition. There's, a, there's an immediate honor that is bestowed to you when you get to sit at my table. So God is saying, uh, hey, he, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's like, hey, I want an invitation from you because he's calling, he's inviting. But after he invites, he needs somebody to invite him back because he doesn't just push himself into our lives. He doesn't force himself upon us. If he's knocking, he needs somebody to say, come on in, Lord. Come on in, Lord. I give my life to you. I submit my life life to you. I submit everything there is about me. And God wants you to worship him in body, soul, mind, and spirit. He says, anyone who loves the Lord, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That means uh, body. He says, I want you, I want every part of you. I don't want you to just drag your carcass into this, into this room and call that worship. I don't want you to just come in here and just sit here for 45 minutes listening to a sermon to all total close to an hour and 45 minutes or two hours uh, of your week. You dedicate to this time, but the only thing you bring and, and lay at him is, uh, is, is put your butt in that seat and you just consume that is not what God is looking for. God is looking for a church that will engage him on an emotional level. That's why worship is emotional. And, and, and people who can't engage with him on an emotional level, listen, I understand what it's like to suppress your emotions. I understand trauma. Don't come talking to me about trauma. Don't come talking to me about being triggered. Don't come talking to me about all kinds of things that'll make you suppress things. That's the story of my life. And we can talk about it, but but at the end of the day, I am not here to worship him because of my trauma, in spite of my trauma or any of that mess. I'm here to give him 100%. I'm going to give him 100% of my emotions. I'm going to give him 100% of my body. I'm going to give him 100% of my strength, my resources. It's all his. Everything I have is his. And so, Lord, you can come in, come into my house, come into my life, come into my marriage, come into my mind, come in, come in, do what you want to do, God. If you want to move something in my life, you want to take this out, you want to rearrange this, come Holy Spirit and do what you want to do. But there is a calling and God is calling, but nobody is answering. Very few people are answering to God to say, come God, have your way. Come, have your way. Do you understand when we say, God, come have your way? He's like, in order for me to have my way, this is God, in order for me to have my way, you can't have your way. It's not gonna be both ways. It's not gonna be both ways because my way is a better way. But God, I gotta hold on to this. No, you don't. Because I've got something better than that. God's never calling us to give something up that he doesn't have something better to, re to return to us. Because I'm saying, man, come on, somebody answer the invitation. The Lord is calling. This klesis also means an, an invitation to a specific assignment. Let me go right here. It says right here, right here, right here. Hang on. Give me a second. 
as each part does its own special work. To each of us is given a gift as each person does its own special work. He's calling to a specific assignment for some of you. It's different. He's created you for different things. Like I shared with you in I think the the prayer time before this, I'm not a good motivational speaker. I am not a good salesman. My wife tells me all the time, I'm the worst salesman. She's like, yeah, we've sold some cars before, and I'm telling the person all the things that's wrong with the car. You know? and, and, and she's like, you're the worst salesman. I'm like, listen, I ain't there just to make some money and, and send those people down the road with all this broke stuff on the car. I, my integrity means more to me than a few hundred dollars. My integrity, I want those people to know they're going to find out I'm the pastor of a church. And if I'm shifty on that, I'll be shifty in other ways. I need these people to know I'm a man of integrity. So if they ever meet me on the street or walk in the doors of this church, that they're like, yeah, I can can trust that guy because he told me that the antenna was broke. I didn't have to find it out, but, you know, three hours. And I'm like, sorry, dude, I already cashed the check. Mm -mm. He calls us. He He didn't make me to be a salesman. He didn't make me to be a motivational speaker. He made some of you to be some of that. He didn't make me to be, uh, maybe he will one day, but he didn't make me to be an amazing businessman. But he made some of you guys to be that. He didn't make me to be certain things because the body is not just one, it's many. And so he made you for that specific calling. And then this invitation is also to a place, an office or a place of high honor. Here is where the church gets hung up on this, is that I'm an apostle, so I, I walk in a place of high honor. Listen, if I should not have to demand it, I, I should not have to demand that I be honored. I, I should be honored because, just because of who I am. Not, not in position, but because when you know me, you know, you know my heart. You've been around me. You've been close to me in private. You've seen my life. You've seen how I've, how I've responded in the hard times. You've seen when I messed up and when I apologized for it, when I got back, when I made it correct, when I paid restitution for the, for the times that I, I messed up. When you've seen that in me, I shouldn't have to demand respect I should, I should be given respect just as you should be given respect because character is what builds respect. And this, this is what the calling is. All right? So can I, go, can I go back to this slide? I don't think I've got it up there. Can I go back to Romans 8.28? Listen to this. So I've been called on purpose? Absolutely. God, he did not call you Listen, listen, what do you mean? I've been called? Are you sitting in this room? Yes, you are not here by mistake. You are not here. Yeah, actually, I just came because, mm, mm, mm. I just came because my wife was getting on my last nerve. Lord, 
and she just bugged and bugged and bugged me to come. Mm. Do I feel a witness over here somewhere? I'm, I'm just saying. My friend. When my parents walked into that little Pentecostal church on Pickett, uh, on the corner of Pickett Street and Old Leland Road in Greenville, Mississippi, I went in uh, fighting and kicking and screaming. And my parents go and they get saved the first day. The first day. I thought we was getting up to leave. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it, it was long and crazy. Those Pentecostal folks was nutso. And I'm like, thank God, everybody stood up, and I, wasn't, I didn't know what they were standing up for because I wasn't paying attention. I'm standing up. We, we walk out the pew, and I walk to the back. My parents, they walked out the pew, and they walked to the front. I walk out in the, in, in the foyer, and ain't a soul out there except me and my little sister. And Georgia and Mama, if y'all are watching this morning, Georgia and you'll remember this. We walk out there. I turn around, I'm going, where are they? I turned back around and I looked through the little slit windows and man, they're down at the altar. My parents got their hands in the air. The pastor's robbing our parents. I, don't, I, I literally have no clue. I have no clue. I have zero religious frame of reference. I know no religious terms. And, and, and then they come out of there and later in the day, I'll speed the story up for, for uh, leave out lots of details. My parents tell me they got saved. Saved from what? Well, Jesus came into our heart. Okay, we're going to stop drinking. We're going to do all these things. We're not going to be doing these things anymore. I saw my dad go to the kitchen sink and, and, and just, you know, hundreds of dollars of booze right down the sink that, that day. And I'm like, well, that's fine for y'all. But I'm 15. I'm fixing to get my driver's license. And I just got some things I want to do. So y'all go ahead and get your salvation on. But I got stuff I want to do. And I did do them for a while. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. I did them before I was saved. And I did them a little while after I was saved. Because you in that brackish water. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's, it's where your old world and your new world come together. And oh my God, it's you in the brackish water now. You got the old mixing with the new and you don't understand it, but you're going out and getting your jig on all through the week, getting jiggy with it and you come into this church and you getting saved every, every week and you going through that cycle, but somewhere along the way. Do you think for a minute that when I walked into that church and my parents drugged me, I tried to get out of it. I told, I, I played sick for weeks. My mama was just as dumb as she could be. She believed that when the preacher said, He'll heal you. God will really heal you. And I would lie. I'd be like, oh, God, I can't go to this church today, man. My son, oh, it's just, Mama said, get up out of bed because we're going to take you to the preacher. He's going to lay hands on you, and God's going to heal you. I couldn't get away from that. Why, why could I not get away from that? I could not get away from that because God had a purpose. I thought they were just dragging me there, but they weren't. Holy Spirit was using them to drag me there because God had a purpose for my life. And he took this little old boy from Greenville, Mississippi, and I've had the privilege to stand in, in Colombia and Africa and, and Nicaragua, uh, 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 Nigeria and uh, Mexico and Honduras and different countries around the world and preach the gospel and 
serve and paint buildings and build things with some of you because God had a purpose for my life. I was not in that church by mistake. God, that was part of God's plan all along. But listen to me. That, oh, that sounds good and shout-worthy. And God forbid, because my mom, I, I think she's watching today, and she's probably going to hear something that, I, that, that she's never heard before. Mom, and I, I apologize uh, that you're maybe hearing it like this. But listen, I went through so much abuse when I was a kid. I went through things in my life that I, I never, never, never would wish on anybody. And, and you know what? I remember the day when I was parked over on a levee somewhere, and I got out, and nobody was there. It was just me, God, and some cows. Anybody who knows what a levee is, it's the, it's the uh, land that they build up around the river to keep your city from flooding. And I'd gone out there, and I was struggling. I had become a Christian, but I was dr- dealing with so many things in my world and background in my uh, uh, abuse from my background. And I was so confused. I, my mind was confused. The enemy had, had confused me with so many different things. And so I... I I'll try to be careful here because there are young folks here. But listen, I'd made a plan. I'd gone out to the levee, and I was just going to tell God off. I just wanted to give him a good cussing and, 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 and just up yours, God, before I just ended it. And I had made these plans, and it was me, God, and some cows out on that levee. And I'm telling you, I'm letting him have it. I've never heard God speak to me before. Didn't, I, I, I don't even know if I knew that was possible in my early Christian life. But I'm telling you, I'm calling God every vulgar name. I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm fixing to end it all. I have no clue where I'm fixing to go or if that stuff's even real. But I'm going to give it one good up yours, God, before I go. And I'm telling you, I am so vile in my language. Every four-letter ugly word that I could think to call him, I'm letting God have it with all my might. And, and my plan was I was going to leave there, and I was going to go end everything. And in the middle of all of that, that screaming and crying and vulgarity before God, I heard God speak to me so clearly. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, why? Why would you? Uh, you say you love people. Why would you allow this? And I heard God just so quickly and quietly speak and say all of that is going to be used for my glory I'm going to put you in front of people that you're going to hear their story and you are going to know because you have been there I'm going to do for you what I did for my son When he hung on the cross and took all the weight and sin of the world, how could he be the Savior when he knew nothing of suffering? While you were there, I was there. All of that had a purpose. I didn't cause it, but yes, I was in that. And I, Romans 8, 28... I 
calls all things to work together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Right, you are called according to my purpose. I have a purpose for you. You don't see it. You don't know it. Your fifth grade teacher, Miss Kurtz, she saw it in you before you were ever a Christian. I remember prophetic words that teachers spoke over me that I had no clue what they were saying. I just thought they were complimenting me. And years later, God would bring back those words of encouragement, which is the spirit of prophecy. They were building me up. That those, those, they were not just teachers, Shay. They weren't just teachers. They were apostles sent into the public school system to speak prophetic words over little boys like me that were confused and messed up in their mind. And God sometimes years later reminded me of prophetic words that were spoken over me that I thought was just the teacher being nice. I had a purpose. And he said, even though you're cursing me, even though those words are coming out of your mouth, I know you don't mean those. I know you love me. And I just, I broke, I broke. Obviously, you know, I didn't go through with that plan. But he has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you. Listen, I'm here to tell you everything you've been through. Every single thing you've been through. God won't leave anything on the plate. He won't leave anything on the plate. Everything that you've been through, he will use it for his purpose. What the enemy used uh, 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 against you to destroy you, God was using it to design you. While the enemy was trying to cut you down, God is building you up. While the enemy, he is coming in and he's trying to deceive you, God is right here. He's using it to enlighten you. And God says, everything that you've been through in your life, everything that you've been through in your life, I don't care if you're here and you've, got, you've had an abortion, you've been uh, on, on drugs, you've uh, been raped, I don't care if you've been abused verbally, mentally, or any other way, I don't care if you've been addicted to every kind of drug under the sun, I'm telling you, God has a plan for you, a purpose for you, and he will take all of that and he will use it. The enemy will use it to be, don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy take your trophy and use it to beat you up with. That is a trophy. That is a, it's, it's a badge of honor. Your scars are a badge of honor. Don't let the enemy use your trophy to beat you down. You take that and you display it and you boast in him. Thank God he brought me through. Thank God he brought me through. Thank God he brought me through. God, where were you in that tragedy? I was, I was there. I was the one holding everything together. It looked like it was falling apart, but if my presence wasn't there, you, sh- you, you, you should have seen the mess it would have been. I was there. God has a purpose for you and for me, for the body of Christ. So what does that mean? Like, if he has a purpose, then what am I doing? How am I responding to the call? Because if you notice... Every time he called people into ministry, Peter, come follow me. Simon, Andrew, Bartholomew, y'all, you, you guys come follow me. They left something. They left something behind. It didn't mean that they didn't go back to it occasionally. It didn't mean that they, they, they forsook it. But they had to be willing to say, you know, hey, this is, this is I got to put this aside and I got to follow the Lord's calling. I'm telling you what, that is not, the, that's not the model for today's church. God calls, 
And our answer is, I'll see where I can fit you in. Listen, it, it, I, I'm just telling you, man, you make, you, you make time for what you want to make time for. You make time for what you want to make time for. You make time for all these different things. But when it comes to God, one of the greatest things about God is his grace. One of, one of, one of the worst things to the Christian is God's grace. And here's, here's the reason why I say that. It's because we will, we will prostitute his grace. We will abuse his grace. Well, I, I, I know. Like, you ain't going to show up for work late tomorrow. You're not going to show up for work late tomorrow. You might, but do that a few times, you're going to get called. You ain't going to halfway do it at work. Why? Because you worship mammon. You worship the God of money. You're not going to do it there. Why, why would we do it here for the one who loves us? Like, I'm telling you what, your boss does not love you. Like, well, I was Shay's boss one time, and I, I do love you. And she was actually my boss one time while I worked in the public school, and I think she loved me. But, but your boss doesn't love you like God loves you. They're, they're your friend. They can be your buddy. But your, but your boss does not love you like God loves you. Your boss can't do one thing for you to bring healing to you emotionally, spiritually, or mentally. Your, your boss can't do anything for you uh, once you leave this world. But the one who created us on purpose for a purpose, you know, will use his own grace against him. We will use his own grace against him. I see it all the time. I wish it could change, and I wish this one message would change it forever for our church. My faith ain't that big, I'm just telling you. Maybe that's anti-pastoral. But I'm like, what if, what if, what if there was transformation to the point where, listen, I'm telling you, I'm reading this book. It's on uh, the apostolic, and I read in there uh, that apostles don't burn out. Listen, man, come on, man, my time is getting away. I have been told by so many people, some in this very room, that, uh, that I'm, I'm going to burn out and yada, yada, yada. Listen, Jesus got tired. He, he had to get down in the bottom of that boat. He's like, y'all can deal with the storm if you want to. I'm going to sleep. He, he knew he had to get away. He knew. But listen, I'm telling you what, we're living in a day and time that the church is not even aware at some of the wiles of the enemy, some, some of the schemes of the enemy that are there. Like every, every, every student in school has some kind of emotional problem. Uh, you know, they've got a special plan. The special plans for the students that need those, not for the kids who just don't care and don't want to do the work, you know? Uh, we, we, we got so many things, like, going on. Man, I, ca- I can't do it, man. I'm just wore out. But you at the ball field, you take, you, you, man, I can't get my kids to youth, youth group because, blah, 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 you know, but you can get them to your tra- traveling ball team. Um, well, I don't think, he, I don't, I don't think he's going to do this, Pastor Rife, or whatever. Tell your coach that. Tell your coach that. Some of y'all have been coaches. Tell your coach that. You, you, will, you will be on the bench or you won't be on this team. You know, we will use the glorious grace of God against God. 
And that is, that's not how, it, not how it should be, brothers and sisters. Like, people who are called on purpose for a purpose. Like, calling. Calling is different than volunteering, guys. Calling is different from volunteering. And everybody in this room under the sound of my voice should go, what is my calling? Like, I know I'm invited to the table. That's a general call to everybody. But what is my, what is my assignment that the Lord has for me? Well, listen, God's going to have an assignment for you, but he's going to have assignments along the way. Like, you're going to be called to something, but there are going to be assignments along the way. What is your calling? I'm not talking about what you're gifted at because there are a lot of people that they can do stuff. I was talking to somebody uh, recently, and they play the keyboard, and they're like, yeah, I don't want to play the keyboard for church. And I'm like, that's cool, that's cool, because, like, uh, you're, 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 you can play the keys, but you're not a keyboardist. You can play the keys, but you're not a keyboardist. You follow me? You can, you can play a song, all right? But I'm telling you what, when you're a keyboardist, you're going to be on that thing. You're going to wake up thinking about it. You're going to go to sleep thinking about it. You're, if, if, if you're a singer, it doesn't matter. Like, we don't just want a singer. I'm, you want people who are psalmists, that, that it flows out of them. You know, you don't, you don't just want a doctor that... You know, well, let me see what you got. Put it out there. What, tell me what's going on in, in your world. Well, um, I don't really do hearts. I, I'm a podiatrist. You know, show me your feet. Well, I, my feet ain't what's hurting. Like, you don't want just any doctor. You want somebody who specializes in whatever your need is. And so we are, when we're called, listen, when, when, you are, when you have a calling, that calling never goes away. The gifts of God are without repentance, the, scriptures, uh, the scripture says. In other words, God doesn't take them back. He doesn't call you to something and then go, yeah, I changed my mind. You know, I'm taking that back. No, when you're called, you're called. And when you're called, there is a supernatural unction or, or um, we don't use that word a whole lot today, but there's a supernatural infusion that comes with the calling, all right? Like that you are driven, like there's nothing you can do, like you, that, that you are called to do this, I was created to do this, and this is what I was called to do. And listen, it is, it is not what, what happens and oh God, here comes the sword again. Somebody's fixing to get cut. What happens is we have so many volunteers uh, serving in church, but very few called people serving in, in those places. They're filling the role, and that's a good thing. They're filling the role because it needs to be filled, but they are not necessarily called. They, maybe not to that, but they don't even know what they are called to. Listen, I, I'm telling you, you've got to have people who are called that it's like, man, I'm telling you, my work is telling me I'm going to have to work on Tuesday night. Now, I already got something uh, happening in my world on Tuesday night. So that ain't going to work for me. Well, you can't work here on Tuesday. Uh, you can't work here if you can't work Tuesday nights. I'm going to have to find me another job. But bro, I'm telling you, people do not go there in their private world anymore. Well, have you ever done it, Pastor Rife? Absolutely. 
I've totally done it. And you know what? God blessed me with a job that I did not have to miss what was important to me. I'm no more special to him than you are. Pursue the holy things of God. Pursue your calling. Find what God has called you to do. All right? Let me kind of speed through this for you. All right? So let me go through this. You got to basically find your shape in the body of Christ. And we do this thing where, that where we, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what my calling is. I, well, there's, God shaped every single person uh, with uniqueness. Like, you are uniquely made for whatever he created you to do. And we use this little acronym here. Like, what are your spiritual gifts? Well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Then you should find out. How are you, listen, this is, not, this is not a reprimand to you, but this is, at this point, a call to attention. How are you in the body of Christ and you don't know what your spiritual gift is? Like, if you don't today, it's okay. But if you don't know in five weeks from now, or if you don't even know in five days from now, why not? Because today you're hearing it from the mouth of a man of God saying, you should know what your spiritual gifts are. How many of you guys, if somebody said to you, hey man, I've got a gift for you. It's going to be delivered by Amazon and you can expect it this week on Tuesday between the hours of eight and four. Okay. What what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be looking for that package. When it gets there, what are you going to be thinking? What is it? Wonder what's inside. Why? But if we did this, like, if we take this and use it how we treat God, this is what we would do. Hey, I'm going to leave you a pack. I got a package. It's coming for you. It's going to be there on Tuesday between these hours. Little ring doorbell. You hear somebody out there. Oh, yeah, it's probably that package. I ain't really interested in it. It's out there. Maybe you'll get some package pirates to come pick it up you know I don't know I don't really care I'll get to it sooner or later it might be out there in five years if it's out there in five years I might no dude if somebody left you a gift you would be all about finding out what that gift is and he has said to us in his word to each of us ain't nobody been left out To each of us, I have given you a gift. So what are your spiritual gifts? I'm going to give you some avenues to try to find that out. What are your spiritual gifts? What's your heart? What are you passionate about? A lot of times, I'm like right now, I'm serving in some areas that I'm not super passionate about. But there's this big gaping hole. That while that hole is there, Pastor Rife is like this, trying to patch, you know, hold that hole uh, patched. My heart is not truly in that particular thing, but my heart is in the ship. Right. Are you following me? Right. I would rather not be in the boiler room or uh, over here in the whatever section, but my heart is in the ship. So if I'm walking by and there's a gaping hole and it's leaking, I'm like, hey, I'm holding this. Can somebody come help? Can somebody who's better at this help me? But until y'all get here, I'm going to keep the water from blah, blah, blah. You get the point. But there are parts of the body that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about the ship. 
But there are parts of it that I'm very passionate about. And God created you with passions. What are you passionate about? That's what we need to do with kids. Instead of telling them to, you know, get, go to college, get you a degree. In what? I'm getting my degree in, you know, whatever. What? Is there even a need for that? Is there, is there a demand for that in the marketplace? What are you passionate about? Go there. What are your abilities? Man, I can figure out how to this, that, or the other. Oh, dude, there's a place for that in the body. Man, I can build this. There's a place for that in the body. There's a place for that on the mission trip. I can paint anything. There's a place for that in the body in the mission trip, blah, blah, blah. You get the point that I'm saying. I'm a great organizer. I'm a great teacher. I'm a great all of these different things. What are your natural gifts? Man, I can hit a ball. I'm, I'm telling you, I could, uh, that little Josiah, man, I don't know if y'all saw that little guy. Um, it's freakish. <laughs> it is freakish. He's on there, and it's like, man, they're throwing him the ball, and he's like, <laughs> and he's, I'm like, whoo, what a kid. You could throw Pastor Rife a ball, I promise you. I couldn't hit it with a uh, four-by-eight sheet of plywood. <laughs> if you are good at that stuff, there's, there's, there's kids, there's people, there's, there's a place for you in the body of Christ because I can't feel that need. What is your personality? God created you with a personality. Whatever your personality is, it's going to determine where you fit in the body of Christ. If you can't control your face and you look like a sourpuss all the time, there's a place for you. It's... <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but there's a place for you. It's behind closed doors somewhere. <laughs> Folding bulletins or something, but there's a place for you. Where is it? Because it's not at the front door. We, we, had, we had this lady one time at our church here. We had, we had this one lady. It was like, we got to find another place for you because you scare more people away than you are welcoming them. <laughs> And it's like, don't nobody care about how bad your world is, man. They want to be welcomed and not being told, like, you know, the 89 things in your world that went wrong this week, you know? And we don't need you on the prayer team either, you know, because <laughs> God forbid. But, what, but there is a place. There is a place for people with prune faces. And, uh, you know, there's, y'all know I'm joking, sort, sort of, but... But what's your personality? If you have an outgoing, bubbly personality, man, you need to be at the front of, of, of the line where, you, where people feel welcomed and they feel loved and they feel, you know, uh, that you've identified with them so that when they get in here that they've already gotten through several layers of hospitality. If you are musical and that's a passion of yours, see, they all, they, you can't just be musical but not have heart behind it. Because this, you know, you'd, you'd rather have somebody with heart and less musical talent. All right? So what are your experiences? This goes back to that Romans eight twenty eight. What are your experiences? I'm, I'm not talking about, well, you know, I served, you know, three years in the Air Force and I'm, I, that too. But I'm talking about 
What are your ups, your downs, your valleys, your mountains? What, what, are, your, what are your defeats? Where are the times where you felt the, 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 the most worthless in your, in your life? All of the experiences in your life. What are your experiences? Man, I struggled with this all the years of my life as a teenage man. Then you know what? There are other teenage men struggling with that same thing, man. Use that experience and take what God meant for evil, what, what the enemy, sorry, meant for evil evil, and God will use it together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose and love the Lord. So this is your shape, all right? This is your shape. So say it with me. Say this with me. We've been called on purpose for a purpose. Here's something that you need to hear. God does not need you. He wants you. God God doesn't need you to fill a vacancy. He wants you. That's why he's designed you to fill vacancies, to, to submit to the call that he's calling, to find out what you are good for. And listen, the idea of retirement is not in Scripture. Think about it. Go find it. I can think of a couple of times. And you know what happened to them when they retired? They died. God took them. There's no retirement in the body of Christ. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how tired you are. Like, you're only tired because you've been doing it wrong. You're tired and wore out because you've been striving. You're tired and you're wore out because you haven't found the peace of God that takes you through the hard times. You have not found that there's joy in tribulation. You haven't found that, there is, that, that there's purpose in suffering. We can make it through those times because his peace is at work within us. But there's no retirement in the body of Christ. It's like, man, we're going to do something. I'm telling you, I don't know what it will be like. I hope Destiny Church is around. I hope that I'm here. I don't know who the, who the pastor of this church will be. But I hope that I can just submit to the vision that's going on. And, you know, I might be walking like this and everybody would be like, who's that little old man? And it's like, uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy that, uh, <laughs> he, he's a guy. But, you know, I, I don't know what it would look like. But I'm telling you what. I am not going to retire. I'll be going until I, till I'm gone. That is what God is looking for us. Remember the rule of 100%? 100%. Not just of you, but 100% of your life. Like when you sign up, you sign up for life. It's not for two or three or 10 or 50 years. When you sign up, your role just changes. That's all. Your role just changes. So how can I apply what we have here today? And this is how you can apply it. One, say yes to the call of God. Just say yes, man. If you have not received Christ into your life, like say yes to him. This is it. Discover your spiritual gifts. If you whip your phone out right now, point it at the screen, point your camera at that, it'll take you to a link. If you don't have time to do that in these 
few seconds that it's going to be up there, I'll send it to you uh, during the week in our weekly um, email to you. But that'll take you and that'll help you go through. I don't know. There's a short, I believe there's a short uh, survey and there's a long survey of these. And that link will help you narrow down where your spiritual gifts are and begin serving somewhere in the body of Christ. Oh, I knew he was going to get around to it. I knew he was going to get around to it. Listen, it, if you think this is us trying to get something out of you, you have got it all wrong. It's just not like we want, like we want something out of, out of you for us. It is, that's a benefit of it, but it is truly what is inside of you that can be unlocked and unleashed in the body of Christ. And here's the deal. Every person, 100% of people should be involved in serving in the body of Christ. Some are going to serve inside the walls. Some are going to serve outside the walls. Pastor Rife, you don't understand. I'm just so tired and give out. And uh, testimony of a, another person that came to us from another church. They just wore them out, wore them out, wore them out. And, um, and I get that. I, 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 I get that. We try not to do that. There's probably in, in our house and in the history of our house, there have probably been maybe three people who could say that that, was, that that happened here. One would be Stephen. He's been playing practically every Sunday since COVID. And that is not because we make him. Um, but, but he does. And, and right now he is our only lead musician. So, uh, but that's, that's abnormal for us. Sometimes guys in the media booth, uh, but, but we try not to do that. I've had a, people come to us and other churches have literally sucked the life out of them because they saw them as commodities and not part of their community. You know, and so they sucked the life out of them that when they got here to us, they basically just came straight off the set of The Walking Dead. They're just zombies. They, they are lifeless. And here's the deal. Like, it's okay uh, if I could use Erica as an example, she came from a place in her life that when she came here to, for ministry, she was not ready to serve in any capacity. She was new to this house, first of all. So you don't, you don't just somebody straight out of the gate. But she also had stuff going on in her personal world that she was trying to heal from. I don't remember how many years uh, or, or how long it took you, maybe a year or so. I don't remember. But, but, but she just came and she sat. This other person that came, they were here for six years. They didn't serve at all. And I'm like, hey, at some point what happens is rigor mortis begins to set in. You sit there and you begin to die. We are not made to sit. We are not made to sit. We are made to do something in the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you. If you need to heal, heal. If you need to rest, rest. But if you sit there too long, then that heat, that, that, uh, that hurt, that 
trauma, that whatever is not going to heal, it's going to become part of your identity. Yeah. If you don't do something before long, rigor mortis is going to set in and you are going to become nothing more than a consumer. And after a while, you're going to get tired of the buffet that this church offers up. Yeah. And you're not going to eat anything. All right? So find a place that God is calling you to and serve. Serve someone.